0: Every election year, we're inundated with mudslinging, accusations, promises, hopes, and fears. Civility seems to go out the window as our minds are swayed towards a specific political platform, and we choose who will lead our country. Jesus didn't have a political platform. He had an eternal platform. He wasn't trying to build a government. He was building his kingdom. So what if we could do this year differently? What if we could act differently and become an inspiration instead of just another voice in the angry crowd? What if we could join Jesus in his mission and call people into a better way? In the process of this series, I've had to develop thicker skin. Because the topic is somewhat interesting. That means the the, the response is also interesting, and uh, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I kind of welcome it. I don't have anyone to blame because this whole thing was my idea anyway, so it's on me. Years ago, I asked my senior pastor, Jim Scobie, what it took to be a good pastor, and he said in his soft, gentle Scottish way, Grant, in order to be a good pastor, you need thick skin and a soft heart. I think that's just good wisdom, this series has been all about that. How can we develop thick skin and a soft heart in the midst of all of this stuff that's spinning around us? I mean, let's just face it. In the middle of political turmoil, you've got arguments and angst and anger and accusations and acquiescing and apathy. And the question we've been asking is as a church family, how can we get up and above that stuff so we can take on our role as salt and light, as influencers? My question this morning is simply this. How can we have thick Skin and soft hearts, when the truth is, if we were honest, honest, most of us would say, I actually have pretty thin skin and a hard heart, especially when it comes to this stuff. This week I'm going to expound on a passage of scripture and then I'm going to tell you about a real life conversation. First, the scripture with context. All throughout humanity, human beings have been asking for the same thing from God give us a king. Give us a human leader. We want someone who's going to show up in our world and this is what we want from them. We need them to solve our problems, protect our families, put money in our pockets and secure our future. It's a historical pattern that goes all the way back to the beginning of Bible, all the way back to the beginning of time. People are just saying, God, give us a king and we will love them and we will revere them until they do one thing we don't like with and then it'll be, God, give us a king. Oh, no, no, not that one. Give us another king. That's just the way history works. Over and over and over again, people just keep saying, God, give us a human leader to fix all of the problems. And God stands in front of us and says, why would you settle for that when the God of heaven is saying, I'll be your leader? King David was a powerful and flawed king, anointed by God and even declared by God as being a man after God's own heart. He was a godly man at times. Other times, David was a peeping Tom, a lousy father, an adulterer, a man who used his position to coerce sexual favors, and a co-conspirator on a murder plot. If you don't believe that, you should read your Bible. I didn't make those conclusions. David actually confessed to all of them. David was a powerful king, and from his powerful position at the top of the human organizational chart in his nation, David gives us some wisdom from a king about wanting a king from Psalm 46, 146. David sings. So all of the Psalms are actually songs. David sings these words. Verse one, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. What's the obvious point? David's saying never place your praise of a man over your praise of God. Keep it in order. God is worthy of your praise. God is worthy of all your devotion. He's worthy of your promises. God is all truth. He keeps his promises every single moment of every single day, even when it doesn't appear that he's keeping his promises. He's worthy of praise for a lifetime. So praise the God of creation. Sing with your whole heart, even when you don't feel like it. Never, ever, ever praise a person. Only praise the God who made all the people. Why? Why? Because God says, if you, or David says, if you put your praise towards people, it's only a matter of time till you end up disappointed. Listen to him in verse three. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground on that very day. Their plans come to nothing. People can't save you. Let's press in deeper. A president can't save you. Somebody say amen can't save you. Their plans and promises die with them. Your human leaders are exactly that. They're human beings. Are they worthy of honor? Absolutely. Are they worthy of our respect? Absolutely. But never, ever, David is saying, never, ever, ever, never place your trust in man above your trust in God. Why? Because people will disappoint you. Your pastor will disappoint you. (laughs) I will disappoint you. Your parents will disappoint you. Your spouse will disappoint you. If it hasn't happened yet, I hate to break it to you. You will disappoint you. Think about it for just a second. Last time you spent a dollar bill, did you see what was written on it? In God we trust, right? It's written on our money. But let's be honest. Who do you really trust more? Jesus or Benjamin? Think about it. What's your life oriented around? Some of you are like, I don't like the way you said that. Thick skin, soft hearts. David keeps going. He says, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord their God. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. David's saying, trust in the God of the mountains. Trust in the God who formed the tectonic plates. Trust in the God who carves out the valleys. Trust in the God who made both the elephant and the donkey. Some of you got that. Most of you missed it. Keep up with me, people. Trust in the God who created you for you're fearfully and wonderfully made. If you didn't get that joke, talk to your neighbor later. Okay, all right. Now David's on a roll, okay? He's on a roll because he's gonna wrap it up and here's his point. Never put your hope in anyone other than the God who created all. And now he's gonna tell us what that God actually cares about. Verse seven, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. This is God saying, I really care about this. It's one of several thousand places in Scripture where God just says to a person, This is my heart. Don't get stuck in your opinion about what my heart is. I'm just telling you, this is my heart. And before you assume to know exactly how God feels about everything, I'll remind you of something. God said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I think we can agree as God's people that we should never refuse to care about the things that God cares about. And then the song comes to an end and David sings these words. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you read the end of the book, when Jesus comes back at the end of time, there's no election. We don't get to vote on whether or not he's victorious. The King of Kings just shows up wearing white and marries the bride who's wearing white, not because she deserves to, but because God says, I see you as pure. I see you as holy. I see you as righteous. I need, I mean, we all need to understand this if we're going to wrap our heads around this entire God story. We never forget who wins in the end. Psalm 146 is just good Bible. It gives me courage. It gives me confidence. And this is where I've been soaking over the last couple of weeks So now let me tell you a story. I'm studying the passage. I'm into the exposition of it. And and, and I I sometimes like to escape my office. It drives me nuts. Like I just, if I can't see the mountain from my office, I'm like, I gotta go somewhere else. So I like to go down by the water every once in a while. There's a coffee shop down by the water. It's beautiful. To look out over the ocean. I mean, it's just it's breathtaking. The ocean that God created, it inspires me, it gives me peace. And Not too long ago, I'm on my way in, and I notice as I'm walking in that there are two cars parked side by side, and they've got opposing political bumper stickers on the back. And I'm a little hyper vigilant and sensitive to this stuff over the last couple of weeks, so I kind of see the bumper stickers, and I twitch just a little bit because it's just kind of weird. One bumper sticker said something about making America great again, and another one said something about impeach him. I mean, and I'm just like, Jesus, help us all, please. Like, just help us. And so I walk inside and I heard them before I saw them. No, you know where I'm going, right? Two guys, one corner, and they are just going at it. Here's what I noticed as I'm standing there trying to ignore and get my coffee and pretend that I'm not hearing anything or saying anything. We're really good at ignoring that, right? It's just like, I don't see anything. I don't know anything. There was a Bible sitting on the table in between them. Well, that's interesting that's interesting. So I get my coffee and I, and I go into the corner, but I can still hear them. I mean, how, how, can, how can you defend somebody who's so obviously lying? How can you stand with those people when the Bible so clearly says that you can't? How can you be so blind? How can you not embrace those values? How can you not cut out, call out that sin? How can you, how can you, how can you, how can you? I'm like, how can you guys not clue in the whole place can hear you? Get my coffee, my little grizzly bar. go to the far corner, as far geographically as I can get away from them and still stay underneath of the roof. And I lift up my computer lid and I'm typing and I'm, I'm, I'm just working away, doing the very best I can. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have to go to the bathroom. I don't have to go to the bathroom, even though I had to go to the bathroom. And if you've ever been in that coffee shop before, the bathrooms are outside. Like you have to go outside. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And in order to get outside, I've got to go right past them. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I don't have to go to the bathroom. I'm fine. Have you ever had that experience where you're sitting working on your computer and you suddenly sense a human presence standing there? That's what I sensed. And I didn't want to look up. And then I heard a voice. "Aren't you the pastor of Christ the King?" You have no idea how bad I wanted to say nope. Never met him, no clue. But I didn't, I'm like, hey, (laughs) and they're like, hey, we don't go to your church, but we heard you've actually been talking about this, and we were wondering if you'd give us your opinion on something. And I'm thinking, okay, so if you don't go to our church, don't you go bug your own pastor? I mean, like, just (laughs) seriously, it's so godly and (laughs) mature. (laughs) I'm like, God, I don't want to do this. What would Jesus do? <laughs> I think he would have gone to the bathroom and left. I'm just it. I'm like, I don't know. i closed my lid. And I went and sat at a table with Ron and Ted. This was their question. Hey, Grant, what's your position on immigration? Nice light thing, right? <laughs> Before we go there, just so you know, What I'm going to say for the next couple of minutes is not me trying to convince you that somehow I'm right. In fact, you can walk out of here and go, totally disagree with pastor today. That's okay. I welcome you to have your opinion. You get to, as a part of this family, say, yeah, but, or, hey, have you ever thought of, or I don't agree. You're allowed to say that here. It's okay. It's okay. But before you... Go there. I would also encourage you to think about something as well. If we are the family of God, I think the Bible has a lot to say about how we're supposed to have these conversations. So let me just quote a verse that I've been quoting to myself a lot lately Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. It's a good Bible. I'm not trying to teach any of you how to hold my position my goal today is to try and model how do we keep God in the center of these really difficult conversations? Just so you know, if you've never been invited into one of these conversations, that's a problem. If, if you don't know anyone who holds a contrary opinion to you, that's a problem. If, if you only ever have these conversations with a keyboard... That's a problem. Okay, stick with me. So, Ron and Ted. (laughs) They're on opposite ends of the political spectrum. I ended up inviting them to church. Ted was here at the 930 service. That was kind of fun. They're just opposite ends of the spectrum. But when they said, Grant, what's your position on immigration? This is what I did. I said, can I borrow your Bible? And I just read some stuff. Out loud. You are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in Egypt. Deuteronomy 10. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were once a foreigner too. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19. The Lord watches over The stranger, the sojourner, and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Psalm 146. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I will say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me, Matthew 25. So let's just stop here for a second, just so we're clear about what we're talking about. We're talking about how to have the conversations. It's the wrong order when you form your own opinion and then go find a bunch of verses to hang on your opinion like we hang ornaments on a Christmas tree. Wrong order. It doesn't start with your opinion. The right order is when you search the whole counsel of God on your own. You allow God's heart to shape your heart and out of the bottom of that drips, and, drips an opinion. So when it comes to the conversations, start with God's heart before you start with your opinion. If you start the other way around, the truth is you're praising you and your opinion and your intellect. We've gotta hear God's heart first. Okay, take a big deep breath, all right? Everybody just like, all right? So that's what I did. I just read the Bible, shared some words, and then I said something that I think kind of melted both of their heads. I said, You guys probably don't know this because you don't come to CTK, and that's totally good. Lots of great churches, which is awesome. I said, You guys probably don't know this, but I'm an immigrant. <laughs> and it was kind of weird for a minute there. And I'm just like, Okay, let's be truthful, okay? Laurel and I did not escape the tyranny of Canada (laughs) (laughs) under the covering of night with bullets flying over our heads. I mean, there might have been a hockey puck or something, but that was it. I mean, (laughs) let's be honest. We showed up at Sumas with a U-Haul, okay? Like, let's be honest. We had our documents. We walked in. They stamped the paper. It was a little nerve-wracking, but that's how we showed up and I mean, let's not make our story into something that it wasn't. But for the next decade, as we walked through a legal process to try and become something that many of you got because you were born here, I learned a few things along the way. I followed a process and and, and I, I had two unbelievable gifts that a lot of the people that I met along the road did not have. They didn't have English. And they didn't have time. I had those things. I lost the number. I lost count of the number of times that I would get up at four thirty in the morning and drive to Seattle, down to the corner of Atlantic and Fourth Avenue, and stand in line with a group of people who were doing the same process that I was trying to go through to gain entrance and be able to stay here. And I'd stand there, and here was the process: you'd go and stand in line, and then they would come out and hand out numbers. And if you got a number that was high enough uh, before they cut off the line, you got an appointment, which meant you actually got to ask a single question to somebody. And if you didn't get a number or were standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, they'd come up and say, everybody behind here, there's no more appointments today. You got to come back tomorrow. I met real people in that line who didn't have my story, they actually had stories of holding their children against their chest, running in the middle of the night with bullets flying over their heads, and all they wanted was a shot to be free. I'm standing beside a lady in line one day. She's from Southeast Asia, and she is standing there, and suddenly she does this weird wobble thing, and she hits the ground right beside me. God forgive me for my selfish heart in that moment thinking, boy, I hope she's not sick and I hope I didn't get anything. I mean, God forgive me for that response. Somebody calls 911, they bring the EMTs in and they're looking after her and she's, she's not given up her place in line. <laughs> the EMT said the reason she passed out is because she was so malnourished she couldn't stay she hadn't eaten in several weeks so i met some people in that line you can have your opinion you can have your opinion here's my point we all have an opportunity to share our story but we need to be open to another story cuz i told the guys about immigration and our journey as we walk through that together and And then I asked them, I said, guys, tell me about your story. Tell me about your history. And what was really interesting is two people on opposite ends of the political spectrum only had to go back three generations to find out they had something in common. Their family at one time were strangers. So I started talking about them, about their (laughs) great-grandfathers how they arrived, and and the stories started showing up. And suddenly there's a warmth in the room as two human beings are just having a conversation about being human. We didn't even have to trace it back that far. And then, melted my brain, Ron actually started quoting poetry, Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp. Cry she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door and suddenly two men on opposite sides of the political spectrum suddenly took a step towards each other. If you didn't recognize that poem, it's on a plaque at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty. Amen. And then we got real. I mean, we got real. Because at the basis of all of these conversations, ultimately the topic always has to show up. It's the topic of fear. Fear. I give Ted a lot of credit because he actually said, so here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that if we just kick the doors open, that bad people are going to come here and hurt my family. I loved his honesty. I loved the fact that he had the courage enough to say it. We're all dealing with fear today. I don't care who you are. You're dealing with fear. I had people emailing asking if we were going to have services this week because of the fear of coronavirus. And I know some of you are like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, "Nope, it's a legitimate fear. Some of us are are like, like, I I didn't think I had to be afraid. And then I found out on the weekend, I mean, someone just walking down the street in Bellingham and they got stabbed. Fear. And some of you are like all freaked out because the, the Tao... Jones Industrial Average dropped 600 points, and you're like, what are we going? Is this the beginning of the end? Fear is something that every single one of us is dealing with. We got some really good people in our church right now who are dealing with the fear of of water, it's legitimate. The thing is this, as soon as fear comes in, normally what happens is we pull away and we stick a bunch of bumper stickers on it instead of actually pressing in and saying, what did God say again in Psalm 146? Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He's the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and the Nooksack River and everything in them. He remains forever faithful. So we pressed in. I said, can we talk about the fear? I totally get it. You're afraid that bad people are going to come. I said, here's what's crazy. My Bible says (laughs) there are no good people, (laughs) no good people. For all of sin falls short, there's no one righteous. Not even one, guess what? There's evil in the world, and if we live in fear, can we actually say we're trusting God? I hate to break it to you, I know we all like to think, no, 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 I don't think I'm a pretty good person, according, compared to who? I compare myself to an ax murderer, I'm a good person. Try comparing yourself to the perfection of Jesus and see where you end up on the scale. Now some of us are still, I still think I'm up there. I'm like, <laughs> God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Wow. I couldn't help myself. I'm just like, I got these two guys here. At some point, uh, I'm a preacher. I'm going to preach. Like, that's just how it's going to work together. And I said, so a couple of weeks ago, we, we did a, a sermon on becoming unoffendable, and I finished it with a real story. I said, here's the most amazing thing. I said, God is standing on a platform of absolute holiness and perfection, and I have the audacity to approach, approach his platform, and when I show up, I'm a complete mess. I mean, I got sin dripping out of every single pore in my life, and I'm expecting to be rejected and pushed away, and instead... God does this crazy thing to someone that he should have been offended by. He's like, come here. Come up on the platform. You stand with me. And when the Father looks at you because he's perfect, this is all you need to know. You just say to him, I'm with Jesus and I'll step in front and I'll pull my robe off and wrap it around your shoulders. I'll give you a ring. I'll give you adoption papers. Unoffendable. I said, and now we're in exactly the same place. We're in exactly the same place because, because Jesus, in his perfect love, made a decision to choose a bad person and adopt him into his family. I think, I think we can all find ourselves in this unbelievable story. Here's the truth for all of us in the room. We're strangers to God's perfection. We're aliens to his goodness. We are all foreigners to God's holiness. But because of his kindness, he drew us in repentance towards his heart. And you get more than a temporary green card. You get adoption papers and citizen in a brand new kingdom. Somebody say, thank God. I mean, I've got to say it. In your conversations as a follower of Jesus, if you don't end up with Jesus at the conclusion of the story, I think you're telling the wrong story. This is all about bringing God into it. So let me make it clear. Both Ted and Ron passionately disagreed with me at different points in the conversation. Some of you are doing exactly the same right now. There are some of you that are like, finally, Grant, yes. You're lining up with me. God bless your Canadian heart. Yes, I just... Some of you are like, nope. We can disagree. Here's the point. We need to still be honorable in every single word that we say because God has called us to something higher. Can I be honest with you? I don't have immigration figured out. I don't think you do either. But I think the best place to start any conversation is with the heart of God. Some of you are not convinced. It's okay. That's okay. Some of you are going home saying, Grant tried to politicize the platform. Okay. I'm just trying to lead us into a godly way to have these conversations because I know something. The world out there actually wants to have a talk with the ambassadors of reconciliation that I see sitting in front of me today. They want to talk. I had the privilege of standing in front of several hundred college students, and I asked them a question. I said, can we just cut all the stuff aside? Can I actually ask you, those of you that are keyboard warriors and, and you wage your arguments in your war on social media, I said, is anyone in the room, anyone in the room ever created such a compelling argument that you actually convinced a human being to switch sides. You know how many could say they'd done that? Zero. Best piece of fruit was was one kid that said, the best I got was someone saying, uh, I'm going to give that really good consideration. That's a good point. The closest they got. I'm not trying to tell you what to think, but as a Jesus follower, I really believe we need to put some energy and heart towards knowing how to think. How do we have these conversations together? So it was time to go, and I got to go. Time's almost done. You guys are thinking chicken wings, Chiefs, and some other team. I'm just saying, um, and... uh, (laughs) Some of you were like, yeah, I'm like, mm <laughs> So it's time to go, and so I, I put out my hand to Ted and he shook my hand. Put out my hand to Ron, he shook my hand. And then I stared at both of them till they shook each other's hands. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. I was so honored to just be asked to step into a conversation. Can we go back over it one more time? We start with the word of God. We never lose our grace. We share our story and then invite somebody else to share theirs. And we never ever lose sight of the fact that no human being can fix our stuff but Jesus can save it, save us from it all. Amen. Yeah. Don't care what your persuasion is, I do need you to know this. God has called us in this time to be influencers, salt and light. The way we do that is by making sure that we worship one true king. One true king who is worthy of praise, worthy of trust, worthy of honor, and can handle all of our hope. So church, would you stand with me? We're gonna pray and then I'm gonna kick you loose. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people up here across the front. But let's pray together right now. Father God, would you equip us as children of the most high God to not pull away because it's scary, but to press in. To even have hard conversations about what really is making people afraid these days. God, may our hope and our trust, our passion and our prayer come to you and you alone. God, as we navigate the coming months, may we fully and completely step into step into our full citizenship of another kingdom. With our adoption papers clenched in our hand. May my brothers and sisters make a difference this week with their grace and their truth their passion, their conviction, but also their knowledge of what moves the heart of God. God, keep us in the dialogue, keep us in the conversation, and may the good fruit of that work bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.